Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So we began focusing on this verse two weeks ago and asking the question, how can we know God's will? How can I know God's will about who I should marry? How can I know God's will about whether I should buy this house or buy that other house? When should I change jobs? What college should I go to? Should I marry this person? Uh, has, has God called me into the ministry? How can I know God's will? Well, the, well, the very good news is that God loves us and Christ has died in order to reconcile us with the Father despite our sin. And because of that, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit resides in us to guide us and direct us and to show us the love of God. And God has a plan to show his love and his faithfulness. He has a plan to use us to serve his kingdom, to bring honor to his name, and to make his name famous everywhere we go. And God is going to direct us down those paths. God is going to tell us what his will is. God is going to reveal how we should make decisions so that we can best serve the Lord. And that is very good news. The Bible says, Jesus said, how much more will our Father in heaven give good gifts to those who call upon him? And Jesus is talking about a, an earthly dad, first of all, would, be, would always be quick to give his kids advice. When my kids reach out to me and they say, Dad, I need some advice, I am ready to go. I got three points and a poem and, and a sermon I can reference and I love giving my kids advice. Way more than they like receiving it, but I love giving my kids advice. But Jesus said, as much as a human father loves to give wisdom to his children, imagine how much our heavenly father wants to show us his wisdom. And so we've been asking the question, how can we hear from God? How can we know the Lord's will? Uh, the first week, uh, we said a number of things. I'll go through these quickly. We said that God's will, God's word, will never be contrary to what we read in the Bible. Uh, we said that God's word will never be detailed until it's general. And we, we talked about what that meant. We said God's word will not be circumstantial. God's word uh, will not be mysterious. God's not going to make his will difficult for us to discern. And then last week, we said that the Bible really tells us a couple of different things. It shows us a couple of different things about hearing from God and knowing God's will. It shows us on one hand some commands, some instructions. Do this, do this, do this. Here's what you do and here's how you pursue the will of the Lord. And then on the other hand, it gives us some examples of how God has spoken into the lives of people in, in Bible times, especially in the New Testament. We said that the problem comes when, when we confuse those two things. Sometimes people, instead of looking at the instructions that God clearly gives us in Scripture for how to hear from God, instead of looking at the instructions, they'll look at the examples and they'll pursue the examples and ignore the, the, the instructions. And, and when that happens... Listen, we, we, we don't hear from the Lord and we just get confused. And, and so you hear though people giving advice like this, uh, empty your minds, close your eyes and strain to hear from the Lord and God will speak to you. That sounds like 
Maybe a good thing to say. It's just not a biblical thing to say, right? We'll hear people say, you should repeat a phrase over and over and over until you're in some trance-like state and you, and you get a message from God. We hear about these alternative prayer practices like labyrinth prayer or centering prayer a breath prayer, and, and they say, if you'll do this, you'll hear from the Lord. But none of that's in the Bible. We, we hear about these ascetic practices where people will make themselves uncomfortable by something that they wear or something that they do to their bodies, and they think that somehow that'll lead them to better hear from the Lord. This is because people get it mixed up. There's what the Bible says to do to hear from God, but then there are these examples the examples are examples, and God may in fact speak to you. He may in fact speak to me in one of those ways. But the instructions tell us how we pursue the Lord. Pardon me. When people pursue the Lord according to the examples, instead of by the instructions, one of two things ends up happening. First, they, they create this whole non-biblical spirituality. They are relating to God in ways that the Bible doesn't endorse. But secondly, they end up just accessing their own imagination. If you just sit quietly and empty your mind of all thoughts and just wait until some, some detached voice speaks into your life, you won't hear from God, you will hear from your own imagination and you will call it the Word of God, there's a great danger. And so we said last week we wanted to identify both what we should do, and that's where our focus was, and then we would look at the examples of how God has spoken uh, in the New Testament. So let me review just a little bit of last week. We started with what we do. We should pursue the Lord's will through the Lord's Word. And we looked at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, let me read that verse. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. It's a very plain verse. It says, if you want to know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God, here's how you do it. Here's how you know. Here's how you hear from the Lord. You allow your mind to be transformed. You, 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 you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's God's word and God's spirit working in your heart, working in your mind, you being saturated in God's word. The Bible says you'll be transformed and you'll just know. You will just know the will of God. I shared with you last week about a video I saw where somebody was trying to take a long, stiff, straight board and they were trying to form it in the, into the shape of an arch for the top of a window. And so they took this board and they soaked it in water for a long time under high pressure. And once that board was fully saturated in that water, they, they were able to take it out and they were to, able to press it upon a form and, and it conformed to the shape. It transformed into the shape of, that, of the top of that window. That's how we know God's will. We, we are saturated with God's word. And then the Holy Spirit of God takes our saturated minds and presses them upon God's will. And we're conformed. We just know God's will. And did you know what? 99% of every decision you'll ever make, that's how you're going to know God's will. 
Sometimes people are so desperate to search for some word from the Lord, some special experience, and, and they fail to follow the very simple instruction of the Bible. Just be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and it promises us, it promises us that we will know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. 99% of the time, you don't need some spiritual experience to know whether you should use Crest or Colgate. <laughs> you, you, you don't need some spiritual experience to know if, if you should teach on this subject in your Sunday school class, or you should teach on that subject in your Sunday school class. You just have a mind transformed by God's word, and you will know. You know, it's interesting when you read in the Bible how they made decisions. There are times, and we're going to look at them today, where God just speaks into their lives. Uh, though that's never an instruction God has given us, God chooses to do that from time to time, and I'm thankful for it. But in the Bible, oftentimes they're making decisions based on what seems right to them. Let me just read some verses. Acts 15, 22, uh, Paul is, uh, Luke rather, is writing uh, about uh, how they're choosing some ministers. They're making decisions about who they're going to hire, really. And they're making decisions about where they're going to send these ministers. And they're making decisions about church policy. That's what this uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 15 chapter is about. And listen to how it says they made the decisions. Verse 22 says, it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. How did they choose? They chose the men for whom it seemed right to them. They didn't hear a word from the Lord. They just were transformed by the renewing of their minds, and they just knew the right thing to do. Verse 25 says, it seemed good to us, having come to one accord to choose men and send them with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. It says in verse 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to, to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, and it lists the requirements. They, how do you know the will of God chiefly? You're transformed by the renewing of your mind through the saturation of God's word in your, in your thoughts. The Holy Spirit will conform the character of Christ, form the character of Christ in you, and you'll just know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Now, how is this sometimes, this uh, pursuit of God's will sometimes abused? Pardon me. Oftentimes you'll hear people say that they have heard from God. Uh, I have received a message from the Lord, they'll say. God has spoken to me, people will say. Uh, how, how do people abuse that? And, and this might seem like a different subject, but I, I think it's important to know this before we get on to the specific examples. Because there is a lot of abuse that goes on when people say that they've heard from God. And, and, and that's why the Bible, I think, just makes it so clear that, that we know God's perfect will through the transformed mind. But when somebody says they've heard from God, he, here's the first way that's abused. Manipulation. Uh, sometimes people will say, God told me in order to manipulate somebody into doing something. Uh, I'm always wary uh, of situations where someone comes to me and tries to get me to do something because God told them, because God told them. Uh, usually my response is just to 
say, well, listen, I will redouble my efforts to be saturated in God's Word and have my life transformed by the renewing of your mind, my mind, and then we'll just see if God told you to do that. But we should, we should be careful that we don't use that expression, God told me to seek to manipulate somebody. The only thing that we know with full authority that God has said are the things that are in, in God's Word. You know, as a pastor, uh, I will never seek to lead our church by standing here and saying, God told me we should do such and such. Uh, I've, uh, I've been in a church or two, uh, not as the senior pastor, but as, a, as an associate pastor where the pastor has stood up and said, God told me we should build a building. God told me we should do this or that. Well, that's awkward because now you know, you're either for God or against God, right? You, you, you know, it's, we, we don't know that. And we have to be careful. And leaders have to be careful about that. Uh, I believe pastors ought to stand up and, and be leaders. And there'll be times when I'll stand up, times I have stood up and said, listen, church, as your pastor, I've, I've prayed about this and I have a piece about this. And here's what I think we ought to do. And I'll say that unapologetically. And, and we'll agree or disagree, sh- sh- surely. But we have to be careful that we don't attribute that to the authority of God, especially with a desire to manipulate. Another uh, way that this is abused is inflation. So manipulation, secondly, inflation. Oftentimes people will say that God spoke to me in order to pretend to be more spiritual than they really are. It's interesting in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, there is a... uh, Paul talks, the Apostle Paul talks about a special encounter that he had with God, some supernatural experience that he had with God. But he refused to give the details of it. And I think this is interesting. He said, because I don't want people to think more of me than they would just looking at my character, my words, and my actions. So Paul said, I've had some spiritual experiences that blow your mind, but I'm not going to tell you about them because I don't want you to think more of me than you should we need to be careful that we don't quote God's personal words to simply inflate our spiritual image. And then finally, procrastination. So oftentimes, we'll know clearly what we ought to do in a situation. We'll know clearly what we ought to do in our marriage or in our, in our life or with our finances or with our children. But what we'll do is we'll use this phrase to justify our procrastination. We'll say, I just haven't heard a word from God about that. I hear people say this all the time. Well, pastor, I haven't heard a word from God about that. I haven't heard a word from God about that. And and what they mean is God's not spoken in some supernatural way, some voice from heaven echoing in their heads. And so they aren't being obedient to what God clearly has said that they should do. Don't say I haven't heard from God about that. If God has spoken in his word, then we have heard from God. All right. So you might say, pastor, I understand to know God's will I, I need to be transformed by the Word and by the Spirit. But you say that the Bible gives examples of God sometimes speaking into a person's life. So how, pastor, can I know that it's God speaking to me and not just my imagination? How can I know that it's God speaking to me and not just the deceiver? <coughs> well, that brings us to our second point today. Pardon my little bit of a cold. Uh, But number two, there's what we experience, the ministry of the Spirit. There's what we do, 
How do you know God's will? You seek to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But then there's what we experience, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Bible shows us that there are three ways, at least three ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Let me give these to you. Number one, he transforms my mind. Now, we've already said this, but I've got to include it again because this is the most important thing and I don't want to skip over it. I don't want you to forget it. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you will know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The scripture contains the truth. The truth is in God's word. The Holy Spirit then applies God's word in your heart and your mind to give you specific direction about how you should make decisions in life. Let me read a verse that we'll come back to over and over. John 14, 26, Jesus says, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. And so God's seeking to transform my life through the renewing of my mind and the Holy Spirit has a role. So I read and am saturated by God's word, but then the Holy Spirit teaches this to me and reveals this and helps me understand this. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to transform me, renew my mind so that I will know the will of God and can make the best decisions for him. Well, number two, the ministry of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit communicates wisdom through others. So the second way the Holy Spirit does this, not only through the transforming of my mind through God's word, but he does it through the words of others. That's interesting. In James chapter 1, the Bible tells us to pray for wisdom. Have you read that? Uh, chapter 1, I think it's verse 5. Pray for wisdom, pray for wisdom, pray for wisdom. So guess what? I pray for wisdom all the time. That's in almost every morning prayer I uh, I voice, I am asking God to make me wise, make me wise, make me wise. You know one of the chief ways God answers that prayer for me? He does it through the people around me. God gives me wisdom through wise and godly people that he puts in my life. And we see this throughout the, throughout the Bible. Uh, the Bible says some people have the gift of wisdom, 2 Corinthians 8.10 uh, I'm giving advice because it is profitable for you. And so if God has gifted some people with wisdom, that's so I can benefit from that wisdom. God gives me wisdom through those gifted people. Uh, the Bible says some people are gifted as teachers. Ephesians 4 says he gave to some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So I get wisdom from from gifted teachers. The Bible also says that Christians are commanded to warn each other, to encourage each other, and to bear one another's burdens. So that tells me I'm to get wisdom from those around me. And then in Titus chapter 2, the Bible instructs older men and older women to give wisdom and counsel to younger men and younger women. So clearly, one of the ways the Holy Spirit gives me direction and wisdom, one of the ways the Holy Spirit will point me down God's path is through the wisdom of the people around me. You know, the best places to see this are in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 15, 22, the way it reads in my Bible, plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they exceed, they succeed. Uh, I memorized this. I don't even know what version a bunch of years ago. Uh, and I say often, 
Uh, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. That's the verse that comes from. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. One of the ways God gives wisdom is by putting wise people around you and you listen to them. Uh, Proverbs 13, 20, the one who walks with the wise will become wise. Uh, you know, we've, uh, we've seen everybody catching COVID from other people and, I, and then you can, right? But you can also catch wisdom from other people. Wisdom is more contagious than COVID. If you walk with the wise, the Bible says, then you will be a, a wise person. That's all ministry of the Holy Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit uh, speak into our lives? But he transforms us, changes our thinking through God's word. He speaks through wise people around us. And then next, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Sometimes there is a more direct, unmediated word from the Holy Spirit into my heart and into my life. Let's talk about this. Uh, usually this is not audible. Uh, when you read about it in the Bible, it's usually not audible. I've certainly never heard the audible voice of God in my life. Uh, and it's pretty rare. Uh, at least in the pages of Scripture, it doesn't happen often. If you look even even in the life of Paul, it happens eight times, so far as we know, at least eight times recorded in Scripture. Sometimes we look at this very condensed history in the book of Acts, and it feels like it happened every day, and we don't recognize that the book of Acts is a history of something that happened over many, many years. And so it's, um, it's not something that happens often. Uh, but I want to talk about what it looks like. How, how can we tell it's God speaking to us? Now, before I get to the to just the straight Bible answer to that question. Let me, let me give you this warning. The Holy Spirit is not the only voice you hear. And here's where we have to be careful. The Holy Spirit is not the only one speaking. There are two others. First, we have an enemy. We have an enemy who is actively looking to destroy us. First Peter 5, 8, you're your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Uh, the Bible says that our enemy, Satan, is hiding his identity. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And so he's out to get us. He is, he is hiding his identity. And John eight forty four says he is lying to us. John 8, 44 says every time Satan speaks, he lies. And so when we're listening for the Holy Spirit to speak to us directly, we need to recognize that it might be the Holy Spirit, but it might be the adversary. I think that's why we have to understand that primarily we learn God's will by reading his word, and his word tells us what God's will is, and by being transformed by his word so we know in our heart what his will is, and this hearing a special message from the Holy Spirit is a rare thing. It's not what we should pursue. The Bible doesn't tell us to pursue it. And it can be dangerous because maybe it's the Holy Spirit or maybe it's the adversary. I said that there are two voices that could speak to you. The other is your own. Uh, we have deceptive hearts. We have enemy. We have an enemy. But we also have a deceptive heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is more deceitful than anything. And it is incurable. Who can understand it? And oftentimes we, we decide that we want to do something. 
And then we just work really, really hard to convince ourselves that God agrees with us. And generally, we're really good at that, right? I mean, if I really want to do something, given enough time, I can convince myself that God agrees. And I'm not listening to the Lord. I'm just listening to me. Listening to me. So we must be careful when we claim that anything is undeniably the Word of God, unless it is in, it is in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Let me give you just some non-negotiable rules, though. Uh, we're going to answer the question, what is, the, what is it like when the Holy Spirit speaks? But let me just give you some rules just to help us. These aren't all the rules, but just some ground rules to help you know if, if, uh, if what you're hearing is, is perhaps from the, from the enemy or not. Uh, question number one, is the message 100% in accordance with Scripture? If you think you're hearing from God and what, what you think you're hearing is not is on an agreement with God's word, then it's not from God. It's not from God. Second question is, does the message bring honor to God? If it doesn't honor God in your life and the life of others, it's not the word of God. Next, does the message lead you to more holy living? When God speaks in his word or in any other way, he is leading us to live more holy lives honoring the Lord. And if that's not the content of the message, it's not from the Lord. And then finally, does the message lead you to love God and love your neighbor above yourself? If the message is just some selfish message, it's not from the Lord. The Lord's message will always lead you to love God and love your neighbor more than yourself. Well, how does the Spirit speak to us? Let me give you two or three things. Number one. He speaks, according to Scripture, by illuminating my understanding. We've already said it, but let me say it again. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. Now, I'm a teacher-preacher. That's what I'm endeavoring to do right now. I will communicate this information. But it is the Holy Spirit who helps you truly understand the message and applies it to your heart. Uh, if you get to the to the end of a sermon one day and you think, wow, the Lord has used that sermon to just change me. Listen, the credit doesn't go to the preacher. The credit goes to the Holy Spirit. I just gave you information that you likely have heard a hundred times before, but it's the Holy Spirit who has applied it to your heart. He is the teacher. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand the deep truths of God's word. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person... That means the person without the Holy Spirit, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't understand God's word. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. The first way the Holy Spirit speaks to us is he helps us understand God's Word, helps us understand the things that we see. What does he help us understand? Well, the Bible teaches us he helps us understand the circumstances we're in. Luke 12, 12, Jesus said, to the disciples that they would end up in a place where they would be arrested and they would have to stand before the authorities. And, and Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will help you understand the situation and he will give you the words to say. Luke chapter 12, verse 12. 
And then it says, as we've already read, John 14, 26, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit, the first way he speaks is by illuminating my understanding of my circumstances and of God's word. Secondly, the Holy Spirit will speak by, by stimulating my memory. We see that again, John, John 14, 26, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have spoken to you. A Christian who is transformed by the renewing of his mind because he's saturated in God's word, submissive to the spirit, when he gets in a situation, when she gets in a situation where there are tough decisions to make, where there's a hard stand to, to be made, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will bring back to your mind some verse that you have learned or memorized or some biblical principle that you have been taught. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit speak to us? By illuminating our understanding, but also reminding us of what we've learned in God's Word. And then the final way, by bestowing peace. The Holy Spirit gives us peace when we make the decisions that best honor him. Let me read to you just a couple of passages and then I'll, I'll draw, I'll show you this in these passages. These are familiar passages, Philippians four, six and seven. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and what'll happen? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now let me show you one more verse. Colossians 3.15. I'll just read a portion of it. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. God's peace. Those verses tell us that it's promised to Christians. This is a promise. God hasn't promised to speak in some voice. and God could do what God chooses to do, but God has promised to give me his peace when I call on him. The second thing is that it says it's a peace that surpasses understanding. What that means is this isn't a human peace. This is a peace that comes from the heart of God. This is a God, heaven-directed peace. It says that it stands guards and it protects me from distraction. It says the peace of God will guard my heart. I don't know about you, but I have a heart that's distracted. It's distracted by sin and temptation. It's distracted by lies and, 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 and negative influences by other people. My heart can be so distracted. But what he says here is that, that the peace of God will guard me against those things. Like a soldier standing in me and guarding me from those negative influences. It says the peace of God will guide us in the right direction. It will rule us, rule us. What does that mean? That it will guide us, that it'll say this is the way to go. Don't go there, don't go here, but instead go here. It will rule our steps. And then he says here that the peace of God is obtained through a process, through a process. He says, don't worry, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God. So, so this peace of God comes through prayer, prayer and thanksgiving, which is prayer, petition, which is, which is prayer, presenting your request to God, which is prayer. So he says, pray, 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 and then the peace of God comes. So there's a process. There's a process here. So, so the question is, will the, will the Holy Spirit give an experience of peace so specific 
that it's strong enough to guide us into making decisions? Well, yes, but, or yes, if. Yes, if we are first transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's still the base promise. You will not know the will of God apart from God's word being transformed by the, by the renewing of your mind. Yes, but only in response to the process that's described here of prayer. We pray and God will give us peace. Listen, the peace of God's a wonderful gift. I thought this week about the peace of God. The peace of God is what gave me confidence to pick up my family and central Ohio and moved to Nacogdoches. It was the peace of God that gave me confidence to ask Donna to marry me. It was the peace of God that confirmed for Donna and I that we should adopt uh, Yong Ray from uh, the middle of China a few years ago. It was the peace of God that gave me permission, I think, to preach this very message to you. God gives us this, this peace. Can I tell you that the wisest decisions I've made, and I thought about this at length this week, the wisest decisions I've made in my life have all been when I was saturated in God's word with a mind that's transformed. They've all been times when I have sought the input of godly people into my life. And they've all been times when I've experienced the profound peace of God. You know, the worst decisions I've made in my life, they've all been made when my mind was conformed more to the word than to the, to the world. My mind was more conformed to the world than to the word. It was time, with the times I made decisions without seeking the advice of others. And it was the times that I pressed past a feeling of the absence of peace. You know what that feels like? You're about to do something, you just have no peace. When I've pressed past that, those have been the worst decisions I've ever made. First Peter chapter five. Let me just read this quickly. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you at the proper time. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. I want us to just close with the exercise this morning. I want us... I want us, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 style, I want us to present our request and our problems and our struggles to God. And I want us to ask God to give us a peace that'll guide us and guard us and lead us down the right paths. Just with your head bowed and eyes closed, let me lead us in this. Father, you tell us that, that you care for us. There aren't Any birds that fall from the sky that you're not aware and care, you have numbered the hairs on our head. So certainly the decisions, the obstacles that we're facing right now, you care about those things. So Father, listen to your people pray. Listen to us cast our burdens upon you. Father, I pray that through your word and through your peace that you will guide us for your honor and glory and so that we might be formed into the character of Christ. Listen to us as we pray. You pray, church. You pray.
Share your burdens. Ask for peace. Submit to God's revealed word. Father, may this be the daily practice of our lives as we love you by following you so, so carefully and seeking your peace every day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing and celebrate.